The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Discretion is advised. Welcome one, welcome all to episode number 81 of Rare Form Radio. And, you know, they say that 81 is the luckiest of all the podcast numbers to to achieve. Um, I don't know who said that, but I'm sure it's very, very, very famous podcaster said that. Um, so with episode 81 comes a, a new month, the month of February, which means the Rare Form residency continues. So first we had Lisa Raffel, and that was a blast. It was disgusting. It was funny. It was eye-opening. Last month we had Steve Isaacs talking about MTV and his time as a VJ and, you know, um, shitting in a box and give it to me as a gift. Now we have, we're taking a, we're taking a little turn with someone who uh, I've, I've technically known for a long time, but don't actually know very well. So this is going to be a fun month, or it could be, Awful. I mean, we could find out in 10 minutes that we actually hate each other, and then it'll be a super weird four weeks. So without further ado, uh, she is an actress. She is a podcaster. She's a stand-up comedian, and she's a Korean. Now, I know <laughs> some, of you, <laughs> some of you know me and my personality and podcast for the last 10, 12 years. I'm the guy that makes all the racist jokes. That's what I do, and I'm here today busting myths that I'm a goddamn racist. Please welcome my guest for the month of February, Miss Helen Hong. <laughs> you took me off guard. I was like, what's he going to say now? Like, what else am I? That's it. I, I mean. What I would have said is she's about to take her bra off. Uh, yeah, we, we were starting. Uh, we are talking yeah. a little bit before this, and. Yeah, and I some- was. I was compl- I was complaining that my bra is too tight because I've gained the COVID. You know, everyone says it's the COVID fifteen. I feel like mine's like the COVID twenty two at this point because <laughs> um, all I do is eat potato chips and uh, and and like who freaking wears bras anymore? Like, there's no reason. I don't. Just, I don't. You don't. I mean, as soon, you, as, soon you as, as COVID hit, as soon as COVID hit, I'm like, <laughs> no more bras for me. I'm not doing it. I'm gonna live comfortable. You know. <laughs> There's an ongoing joke. So I, there's an ongoing joke on the show about me having boobs because there's been oh, times you have I've boobs? had boobs, man, boobs, oh, I, boobs. You're already making me very upset. Please don't say that word. <laughs> it's very sensitive for me. Uh, I've had a touch of them before, and I'm not like a, I'm not a fat a dude. A touch of boobs. <laughs> a touch of boobs, just like a like a mild case, you know. That's like a, it's like my favorite fragrance. If we're comparing it to COVID, I have moves that don't put me on a ventilator, but I don't feel great. You know what I mean? So they're not, it's not the worst case scenario. Um, But since COVID, I've been walking like two miles a day, every day. Yes. Are you one of these jerk, jerk holes? Can I curse on the, can I curse on the show? Please say everything. Oh, okay. Then are you one of these assholes that has taken the COVID lockdown opportunity to better, better themselves as a human being? You know what? Fuck off, Dan. (laughs) I'll call you Dan Moobs Cleary from now on. Oh, that's, that hurts (laughs) so bad. That really does hurt. I can't believe it. No, I'm not like that. Like I, I am probably the laziest person that you've ever met who's not like a vegetable. You know, I, I really don't like to do anything. Um, 
but when like the March kind of lockdown happened just to kind of like, I really, I'm fine sitting on my couch all day, every day. And I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's true. I'm, I'm lazy and I love it. But I, I decided to, if, if we're going to be home for, at that time, I thought it was going to be like two or three months. Who would have known that I should just like, just get out and get some air a little bit since I can't mm. see friends. Like I'm not going to be on tour yeah. with bands or doing anything. So yeah. I just, uh, I started doing a small walk and then that walk became like, you know, there's like a, from my house around a few blocks, there's like, it's like a perfect two mile hike or no, a two mile, like flat ground walk. So I've done that every day since March and titties be gone for the most part. Wow. You, damn. And that got rid of your moobs? Got rid of my moobs. It gave gave me these like um, really beautiful thin legs, which uh, usually I've (laughs) grown up. Did you say so yourself? (laughs) If I do, uh, yeah, I'm a a very modest dude, but I do have these very (laughs) nice legs now. And which is great for me because I've always had like these, like childbearing women's hips, like my whole <laughs> my whole life, and it's been very upsetting. Probably more upsetting than the moobs, actually, because I've always had this like beautiful childbearing figure. I and, dated a guy in college that was like that. He was like pear shaped. Okay, please it, let me let me know what that was, was like weirdest, for you. It was the weirdest thing. I mean, yeah, it was strange having sex with a, a pear shaped. <laughs> man <laughs> like w- when you were hitting it from behind would you just hold his hips and just kind of <laughs> i was like yeah so was he aware of it was he sensitive about he cer- that he certainly was aware of it and we used to joke about it to each other and he was thank god not sensitive about it like he even i think he even said one you know one time yeah i have these childbearing hips yeah. <laughs> but he was definitely pear-shaped it was strange uh that he was so hippie he was also tall he was like six six one or something so i think i think that helped he can carry it better that way yeah yeah i'm five ten so it's a little bit more apparent you know um but again yeah i'm a short pair yeah i'm not like (laughs) one of these long stretched out pairs so i'm grateful but yeah i've been i've been walking and it's been good for my head and uh you know, I, I listen to podcasts or Howard Stern my whole walk. So it's been good for like cranking through all the podcasts and everything. I don't know what my deal is. I have a dog. I, I, in a stroke of amazing luck, I got a dog last December, mm-hmm. like two months before the lockdown happened. And it's, he's the first dog I've ever had. It was like so lucky because now you can't get a dog. Apparently dogs are sold out everywhere. Like you true? cannot get a dog. Yes. Oh my yes, God. Because so many people wanted to get a lockdown dog, like Aww. a, like a COVID dog, a quarantine dog. And so all the shelters were sold out. Like you just could like, uh, everybody was like, I need a dog. People were adopting dogs left and right. Um, and my best friend who lives in Silver Lake, she started searching for a dog in September and she would like go to all these rescue, you know, she would email all these rescues and they were like, good luck. You know, you're number 50 on the line. Whoa. <laughs> and she's like, what? They're like, we'll put you on the wait list. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, that's, she a, started that's a beautiful look- thing, but you it's know. a beautiful thing. Yeah. But it's crazy. Like, so she started looking for a, a dog in September and she didn't get a dog until I want to say January or December. <laughs> like it took her months to get a dog. 
it's funny that like uh the the dog pounds are empty yet orphanages are probably just still completely full <laughs> just like no kids give me a dog you know give me the dog can i actually trade in this kid for that please dog? please yeah but uh, so I've had Dodger since December. And so I walk him, I walk him for at least an hour a day. So I don't know why I'm like COVID 22 at this point. Like I literally nothing fits. Hmm. That's weird because you I'm should be thick. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, it, you're it co- might Korean be the bag too. of potato chip. It might, you, you know, but, yeah. There's what? a, there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a Koreanness. There's a Korean build too. Isn't there? They're like, Koreans have meat in their bones. It's one of the best features of Korean women, if you ask me personally. Yeah, we're not the skinniest. Eat. Well, some of us, well, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, Koreans are generally slim, but yeah, I would say we're the shape, we're more shapelier of all the Asians, perhaps. Yep. But yeah, I'm thick, man. Right now, I'm like, I feel really <sighs> thick. And the saddest thing is like, you know, I'm an actor and they um, they usually have a wardrobe department and all these things. But because of COVID now, all the projects are like, guess what? You're dressing yourself. And I'm like, shit, nothing fits. Oh shit! (laughs) I'm just, I literally had to send like do a a wardrobe fitting in my own house with my own clothes and like take pictures of myself in my own clothes. Uh, I'm supposed to play this businesswoman this week coming up on a sketch show, Mm -hmm. and so I email them all, and I literally am like, well, I can't button the bottoms, so (laughs) shoot up high, shoot high. if If you want me to wear this. Uh, you're gonna have to get this tailored or buy me a new set of bottoms because uh, nothing's closing. So what is what has this past year been like for you? I mean, you you have your hands in a lot of things, but I, I imagine do. like podcasting is probably thrived a bit this yeah. year because of what we can do here now, and um, everyone's home, so it's easier to get people to help out. But as far as acting, but especially stand up. How? Yeah, stand-up's like completely dead. You know what? Stand-up was completely dead for a good few months. Mm -hmm. And then slowly clubs started opening back up Um, at the end of last year. I'd say around October, November, clubs started opening back up. But, you know, like I'm not comfortable. Like I have a, I have a pregnant lady. I live with a pregnant lady. I know and her. I guess we should explain that. I guess we should explain the pregnant well, okay, lady. Quickly, okay, we'll live, jump into that. Yeah, go ahead. I live with my sister and we're both single. And I decided years ago that I'm, I never want to be a mother and I never want to have a baby and I never want to have kids. My sister, meanwhile, is desperate to have a baby. She ain't got no man. And so she turkey basted herself with with website bought sperm (laughs) (laughs) and now now we have a baby and now so now i'm gonna be the dad i guess congratulations papa helen congratulations (laughs) i'm like it's so ironic i'm like i i decided years ago i'm like i'm just not i'm not a mother type i don't want kids i'm not really crazy about kids are you excited? My, Are you excited to be my an My sister's aunt? like, guess what? You're going to be a mommy. Oh, my oh, shit. Oh, I unplugged myself. Um, One second. There we go. Sorry. Um, are you excited to be an aunt? I am so excited. I'm so excited that my sister, I love my sister. We get along great. You you know my sister. Um, mm. She's one of the best humans on earth. And if anyone, the ir- irony is like, if anyone should be a mom, she should be a mom. Like I love she's it. so patient. She's so kind. She's loving and like 
great with kids. I'm like the opposite of all those things. I'm like super impatient. I'm like, mm-hmm. me, 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 me. I like being the center of my universe. I am super egotistical and like an egomaniac. Like I would be the world's worst fucking mother, but she would make a great mother. So I'm excited for her. Um, but because she's doing it by herself and because we live together, ostensibly, I'm going to be mom too. I love like, it. I'm, like our, our kid's going to be like, I have two mommies. They're not lesbians. <laughs> They're, They're <sisters>. related. <laughs> yeah. I love that you say our kid. That's so sweet to me. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. So basically, so people listening, the, the reason Helen and I know each other is because of her sister. So we, we all grew up in, well, do you say you grew up in Massachusetts or New York? I say more New York. I spent more of my childhood in New York and okay. more of my like, formative time, I would say, is more New York. Okay. The whole time I was in Massachusetts, I felt like an alien from Mars. I was like, where am I? What is this place? Like, what am I doing here? That's my wife is the same way. She's from uh, um, uh, Saratoga, New York, but she spent a lot of time in New York, but moving to Massachusetts, especially the town that we lived in, um, is like, who are these people? Where where is any black person? Where is any, where's everybody? Um, Yeah. But but Helen's sister, uh, Amy, I have been close friends with since I was like 14 years old. So I'm sure I met you back then at some point. I, I met your parents back then at some yeah. point. And uh, Amy has been one of my favorite people, literally one of my favorite people of my entire life. Um, Amy told me the funniest thing that you said, which is like, you know, Amy just recently moved to LA where you and I live mm-hmm. and have lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but Amy's new to LA and you're actually one of her only friends in LA. And, but she moved here in the middle of quarantine lockdown <laughs> yeah. and she was like, Oh, you know, I guess we can't really hang out too much cause it's so bad here in LA. And then she suggested to you that you guys do a zoom hangout. <laughs> And you literally said, I would rather let our friendship die. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's kind of true. I would never fucking, I would rather never fucking talk to you ever again than do a Zoom hangout. I mean, it's And just, I literally, uh, I heard you say that and I slow clapped. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, I love that we're, you and I right now are able to do this, but if there was like three or four more people on the screen and people oh. are talking over each other sometimes there's a slight delay um it's and we're just, supposed to be like drinking and having happy hour no 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 i would Stupid. rather literally just sit and look at my hands and just like <laughs> this is more fun than doing that and that's and i love you guys i love her i love all my friends i just don't want to do that i i completely agree with you that's why i slow clapped when i heard you said that i was like because yep. amy is so social and she literally does these zoom happy hours and i'm like get the fuck out of here like are you kidding me like she, she's stupid she's stupid yeah. yeah i live with a stupid woman who's gonna have a baby that i'm gonna help raise i really hope she doesn't have a stupid <laughs> kid please don't let her have a stupid kid <laughs> Well, luckily, the amazing thing about having a baby by squirting ju- <laughs> juicy juice up you with a turkey baster is, is that you can pick the juicy juice. You mm-hmm. can pick the donor mm-hmm. and like have basically you could pick like superhero, hot, Harvard educated, what, you know, whatever, whatever IQ, like you can literally like shop for like, in your case, you shop for amps or guitars or whatever you shop for online and do all the specs and stuff. You could do that with a dude. You can fine tune your baby. Yes. Yep. 
custom. You can find the most amazing sperm out there. You know how you can go to like Nike.com and customize your own shoes. Now you can do it inside your womb, which is just incredible. Really incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, so LA is, uh, how long have you been here for now? I moved here in 2012. So what is that? Almost 10 years, years, nine years, nine years. Yeah. I've been here for like 20, 21 years now. I think I'm in my 22nd year. Um, so right now we are in the thick of the, of the COVID spreading and, you know, ICU beds are, are, are completely (laughs) overrun and, uh, no restaurants are open. Nothing's happening. such a bummer. You know, I, I did not realize how much I would miss restaurants. Oh yeah. I had no idea. Like, yep. I mean, I even just going to restaurants by myself, I go to restaurants by myself a lot because mm-hmm. I go on the road. You, I mean, yep. my going on the road is not like you're going on the road because you're going on the road with a crew. True. Right. True, but, I go but, but, on the road. I go on the road by myself. I'm yeah. literally the only person in my, you know, if I'm headlining a club, like I land, I'm alone in the hotel. I go to the club by myself. I, I don't know anybody. And you don't so, go, you don't go with a manager or a tour manager or anybody like that. Nothing. No, I'm Look a stand up comic. Like what is there to need? Like, I don't need any, like, it's so funny. Like whenever I like perform at colleges or whatnot and they're like, what do you need? Like, what are your tax specs? I'm like, I microphone. literally need a microphone <laughs> and yeah. a Coca-Cola. Like that's, that's literally all I need. Oh my God. You should that's, see. My instrument is myself. Like I don't need anything. My God, you should see the stuff that the guys I work for need. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no, I Ridiculous. get it. Like you're 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 traveling with like hundreds and hundreds of pounds of gear mm-hmm. and wires, and if you're missing something, you got to run out and get it. And yep. like I, yeah, like all that stuff. Like no, stand up comedy is like it's just my voice <laughs> and a, Our- and literally a bottle of water and a Coca Cola. Like that's like you know like on the list of things that they like. What do you require for your performance? I'm like a bottle of water and a Coca Cola. And if there's yeah. no stage, put a box there. I can stand on. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but my my days off on tour are kind of like yours. Like I, I kind of keep to myself on days off. Give me a, a high speed internet connection yeah. and a bed, and I'll take a bath and yep. I'll, I'll walk and I'll get my own food. So I'm with you as far as like the eating alone and doing that. Yeah. I, I love I love going to the movies by myself. I love going to restaurants by myself. I, I love, love it. it. I love it. I love it. But I some people I miss really. People. Yeah. No, see, I don't. You don't. <laughs> I really don't. I don't. I don't miss people. I didn't. I didn't realize how much of a loner that I am until this all happened, and I was like, I feel fine. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't feel fine. Like I feel the the like the freaking dread and anxiety that everybody's feeling, but I don't feel the need to. I get, you know what it's, you know, what's weird is more than missing, like hanging out with my friends is, is being at a, like a bar by myself or a restaurant by myself and seeing people around me. Mm -hmm. I guess I miss that more for some reason, like, like anonymous humanity around me. I miss that more than actual one-on-one interaction. So you you miss knowing that you're part of a moving society. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes because sense. it is it is a bummer when I walk <clears throat> around and I don't see a soul, mm-hmm. you know, for, a lot, you know, if I'm like I was on Ventura Boulevard in Studio City the other day and it was just deserted. 
My God. And, and that's yeah. usually a really busy street. Like it's all businesses, restaurants, bars, shops, yep. massage parlors. Like it's yep. just a really busy street and it was just deserted. And I was like, yeah, this feels, yeah. This it's crazy. Happen. I worked a, I worked a, like a, like a, a pre-taped video thing for like a David Bowie celebration uh, three or four weeks ago. And we recorded it in like a, a club on Hollywood Boulevard. And it like, you know, eight or nine o'clock, I went out to get some like food for myself. And, you know, Hollywood Boulevard is usually just going Hat. crazy with people all the time. It's the Times Square of LA. Yes. But now <laughs> the only people out are the lunatics, are like the oh. scary folks. <laughs> so the guys that, you know, may not be wearing pants or have one shoe or have yeah. like two two uh, grocery carts full of like bottles and trash and whatever. Yeah. And like people on the street screaming. So like usually in Hollywood Boulevard, when you're walking, you have to guess who you want to try to avoid. Now there's no guessing. You just avoid, <laughs> if you see a person, just Run. just avoid. But it's, uh, it's crazy. But now in the height of this, LA is opening again. Uh, as of, I think in a couple of days, LA is going to open back up as far as outdoor dining, and all that kind of stuff. How do, how do you feel about the state of like LA right now? I, I welcome the outdoor dining. I did think that, um, I did think that there was a lot of, um, I, I did think indoor dining was super dangerous. Um, mm -hmm. and like, you know, and I've, seen places where it's like whoa those people are way too packed in there and like the bars that are enclosed and stuff but we have it, you know it's LA we have so many outdoor patios and bars that have outdoor spaces and restaurants that have outdoor spaces and some of them are great and a lot of them put so much work into making their outdoor space like they converted parking lots and they mm -hmm. converted like sidewalks and they they did all this work to try to make things safe and then the shut the second shutdown happened and it was like oh Oh, what a bummer. It's just not the same, like getting a take, getting takeout and just sitting opposite your pregnant sister every fucking <laughs> night of your life. <laughs> right. Right. Oh uh, God. It's just not the same. Yeah. I, uh, that's something that my wife and I struggled with for this whole time is like, even with the outdoor dining, like I didn't feel right even doing that just because of like, um, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I thought the optics of it were bad. Like it, it gives off the impression that things aren't as bad as maybe they are, but I also understand it's probably safe. I just, I, I grapple with it and I, I don't know what, what the right I answer is. I can't believe how, um, I can't believe how like, you know, there's kids in their twenties who have been partying throughout this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, they don't care. You know, they've been like, I did a comedy show between the first and the second lockdown when we, when we were opened back up and I actually did one of the first stand-up shows live Oh no shit! in, in like the back patio of a restaurant in Brentwood or something um and it was nice it was like a big airy open space and they had tables out there um but the the girl who was producing the show was like 22 and so a lot of the audience were her friends that showed you know like her regular you know patrons and, or whatever. Yeah. yeah her patrons exactly and so the audience was really young they were mostly like 22 23 24 years old years old and I was like just giddy to be there and I was like holding the mic and I was like I don't even remember how to do this anymore and I was like guys can you believe we're at the house like oh my god clap if you, you this is the first time you've been out of the house mm -hmm. nobody clap like they were like no we've been out we've this been is just partying. our life yeah, yeah what, like they whatever were just old out. lady yeah <laughs> 
totally i felt I like an old lady i, I really know. did i felt like an old lady for having been like cooped up in my house so if you're 22 you're out there you're partying you're still living your life i know and like uh, that's part of the reason why we're still involved in this but i also like i remember being in my 20s and no one's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. You know I mean? And you feel invincible and it kind of is looking that way. You know, there's very few people in their twenties who are dying of it. I know. So I they're, know. they're kind of like, well, you know, it ain't a thing. Right. For them. But, like, who, but cares they are... if, who cares if grandma bites it? <laughs> right, fuck her. Fuck her. <laughs> She's had a good run, you know? Um, so how long, when you did that comedy gig, how long had it been since you'd done stand up before that? That wasn't the first time I did stand up. The first time okay. I did stand up, ironically, was for like a TV taping. <laughs> oh, nice. It was like a big internet show. So, uh, so the Montreal, the the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. is the biggest comedy festival in the world. It it ha- takes place every year in Montreal in July, June or July, and it's like it's like every famous comedian goes there and like everybody in the comedy world goes there and the festival lasts like a month and all these famous comics show up and like every, it's like you get to see all these comedians that you came up with back in the day that you haven't seen in years, like New York, LA, like Atlanta, Chicago, like all these, all these comics from everywhere come. And, um, Obviously, they couldn't do it this past year. They had to, the whole thing had to go virtual. And so I was asked to do um, one of the internet shows for LOL, which is Kevin Hart's network. Mm-hmm. And so in July, I hadn't done stand up since March, March, April, May, June, July, four months I hadn't Jesus. done stand up. And like in stand up, I don't know if this is the, the same in mu- the music world. If you don't do stand up for like two weeks, you're already rusty. Oh yeah, it's the same. Like you're I mean, already yeah. like, oh shit, like I, I, like the cadence of your jokes is off. Oh yeah. Like you're even like even like the standing on stage feels strange. Sure. You know, like that you stand up is something you have to do every night and it it is something if you're a professional stand up, you do do it. You're doing it every night. Like, you know, comics, if you talk to comics, like if you go 2 days or 3 days with, without doing a set, it's like, whoa, that was forever. So four months was literally forever and to go from not doing any comedy at all except for in my closet like sitting it like hunched over in my closet doing zoom shows to suddenly like I'm on this nice lit television camera stage at Kevin Hart's studio and like they had like you know they had like um coronavirus tested the whole audience they were all socially distanced they were all masked up there were like 50 people in the audience um but it's like a the whole professional setup like it was weird and then halfway through I completely forgot my jokes oh no I (laughs) I literally did and I just had to be like I just had to be like yo I can't remember what to say I gotta pull my notes out I'm sorry and they just laughed because everyone's in the same boat because it's like what are you gonna do like we were all talking like this is literally my first time on stage in five months like that's incredible I don't don't know what I'm doing (laughs) and like and I know like because I work for I work for some bands and and bands can go in and do these like you know, virtual concerts and you don't get like um, the feedback the of a crowd, yeah, but it's just not the same, but, but bands can do it because when they're playing music, you don't hear the crowd anyway. Obviously you feed off looking at them, but I, I feel like stand up comedy, you rely so much on that immediate gratification. So much. Like it's everything. It's everything. 
It's everything. And I've done Zoom shows now where, you know, the Zoom shows are, it's what we had to resort to during the pandemic. And so there's actually quite a lot of Zoom shows now. Um, And I was doing a bunch of them during the lockdowns. And it's like, I've had to do ones where, you know, they tell the audience to turn their mics off. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I'm just like, and and then she pulled her dick out. Crickets. All right. And, Crickets. Uh, now for my second joke. <laughs> like literally, it's like that. It's it's so painful. It's so painful to be like, especially jokes that you know are fire. That right. you know, like I've told these jokes a million times. I know they are heavy hitters. They work every time. And it's like da da da. That's my punchline. How do you? And to, and to just <sighs> have to be like, okay, well, um, uh, yeah. So then. <laughs> How do you like, so literally, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that feeling? So painful. I mean, it's just it was so awkward. There's nothing more awkward. Even like, did you see um did you see the New Year's Eve show, like New Year's Rock and Eve? Nope. Okay. New Year's Rock and Eve. So they did do a New Year's Rock and Eve. Obviously, they didn't let anybody into Times Square. They shut it down. They basically barricaded these little like boxes that were socially distanced apart, oh, so six feet across, six feet away from every other. They had little mini barricades that were like VIP boxes, and the only people that were allowed to show up were like cops and firefighters. I think. Okay. Like like frontline workers, which okay. I think is great in New York. Sure, that's great. Cool. Um, but it's, you know, it was, you know, compared to what it normally is in the middle of Times Square when the ball drops, when it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, yeah. Yeah. there were maybe 50 people. And so, and it's still like Carson Daly or is it Carson? No, it's Ryan no, Seacrest. Seacrest, yep. Ryan Seacrest. And it's like J-Lo performed and I think Rihanna performed like all these like big names and like you know JLo's doing this big song and dance and then like she stops and you just hear like no (laughs) it's not worth it only 50 people I mean you couldn't you couldn't hear anything and so even that watching that was like this is weird it's weird yeah so why? Because you you kind of get a cue, like you get a cue from when to laugh from other mm-hmm. people. Like you hear other people laugh, and the laughs build and stuff. Of course, uh. yeah, and, and laughter inspires other laughter, and e- e- no yeah. one wants to be the only person laughing. Like even for me, I'm not a I'm not a shy person at all. But if I'm at a if I'm watching a comedy at a movie theater, and there's a part that I think is funny, I won't laugh out loud unless yeah. other people do. And yeah. it's just a weird, like, I don't know why we are like that in society. We maybe just don't want to stick out, but um, it's got to be so strange. Like, why? It's so strange. Why it's so would strange. you? Why do it? Why do the Zoom comedy? Because you have to. Um, because you're, you know, like I'm a comic, and that's what I've been doing for 15 years of my mm-hmm. life, and it's my art form. Mm-hmm. So, like, still things are still funny. Okay. You know, like I did that show for the Kevin Hart LOL thing. And like, I didn't do a single old joke. All the jokes were brand new because I was just talking about how fucked up, like all the funny things that, you know, that have developed over COVID. Like I had a joke where I said, uh, I read online that I read like even before the coronavirus hit, I read somewhere that not wearing a bra 
strengthens your boob muscles because your boobs have to work really hard to hold themselves up. And I'm like, guys, my boobs are jacked right now. Like <laughs> this so boob jacked. is The Rock and this boob <laughs> is Terry Crews. And like, you know, I was just doing jokes like that, you know, observational humor about like the weird world we're living in. Mm-hmm. And it was great because people were like, girl, I hear you, you know? Sure, sure. Um, so uh, it's, you know, funny stuff is still happening. And mm-hmm. like my still, my brain still processes funny and still observes funny things happening. And now I'm going to have a shit ton of new jokes because I'm about to be a mother, not by my choice. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you have so much material coming I'm your gonna way. I'm going to have so much material. Like you want to hear like, and you know, I'm already writing the sitcom. Like you want to hear Modern Family. Check this shit out. You took, you took the thought out of my mind. I was like, this needs to be a reality show or something, you know? It's going to be a sitcom because like my parents are Korean. They had never heard of like a single mother by choice situation. Like they didn't even know how that worked. I had to explain the turkey baster thing to my mom. Like, yeah. Well, wait, if I remember right, your, your parents are also, are your parents really religious? My parents are religious. Okay. They go to church. Thankfully, they're not like militant evangelicals or anything like that. Like they're not like. We're going to disown you. Okay. Okay. But um, it's, they're less religious and more just old school Korean people, mm-hmm. you know, like they just, they had never heard of artificial insemination. Like, I don't know how to say artificial insemination in Korean. Right. And right. I don't think they would even understand the concept. How did so, they, to walk me through that conversation. And I want to know how, cause like <laughs> you've done a few really cool things online with your parents. Um, yeah. The thing with your dad, I want to talk about in a second, which was just so moving and incredible, but, but um, your parents seem super cool. And, My parents uh, are super cool, but they're still old and first generation Korean immigrants and uh-huh. they're churchgoers, you know, they're elders at their church. So they're very old school in a lot of ways. I mean, big credit to them you know my sister basically told my parents like she resisted she 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 didn't tell them until like almost the second trimester of this baby because she was like she was like every weekend she'd be like oh I gotta tell mom and I'd be like no (laughs) and and then like and then Sunday night would roll around be like well I guess next weekend then like she wanted to have a weekend she wanted to have a weekend where like she could like I don't have to work like I could focus on just talking to mom That's so good. Like, okay, this is the weekend I'm going to tell mom. And I'd be like, no, don't do it. And then like, and then Sunday would roll around. She'd be like, ah, yes, this weekend. So almost like she was almost pregnant for like three or four months before she actually broke down and told mom and dad. Um, And she told them and they did the scariest thing that you can ever hear from Korean parents, which is silence. Nothing, nothing. Oh shit. When there's not, like when there's silence on the other other end of the line, that's when you know you're in shits. Like you're up shit creek. You're like, holy! I have really stepped in it now. I have so goosebumps. They were, I know. they were completely silent, and then they were like, "Uh, okay." And they hung up the phone, and we didn't hear from them for forty eight hours. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, no. and like my sister was freaking the fuck out because she's like, "Are they gonna disown me?" Like, is this the end of my relationship with mom and dad? Like, are they, is dad going to have a heart attack, like, and die? Like, what is going (laughs) to happen? And thank God, they just needed that 48 hours to process the information. Okay. And then they were cool. 
like did, did they call back or did yeah, you Yeah, my mom my mom sent a text. Like they separately sent us texts um that were like, you know, we're just, you know, my mom sent a text like you have to take care of your health now and like you know, you're, you're, you make sure you're eating right, which is their version of love, right? right. Like make of sure course. you're eating well. Of course. And then my dad said something about being a grandpa. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it was cool. So it wasn't like a, you know, after much consideration, we decided that we do still love you for now <laughs> or, uh, you know, um, so it could have gone worse. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been way, way worse. And like to my parents credit, there are, I, I personally know a lot of Korean American parents who are fucking hardcore and who would have disowned my sister for sure. Enjoying the podcast. If you'd like to show support for rare form, there are a couple of ways. Become a patron at patreon.com slash rareformradio. Make a one-time donation or choose from a few subscription levels paid monthly for extra benefits. Those extra benefits include bonus episodes not available to the public, exclusive live streams, more interactions with the gang, along with other special perks that will change over time. Choose your level of donation and know that your contributions go to keeping the show running and growing, paying crews behind the scenes, and just supporting independent artists. That's patreon.com slash rareformradio. You can also get Rareform merch by going to rareformradio.threadless.com. T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, all kinds of silly shit. We're constantly adding new things and limited time only goodies. That's rareformradio.threadless.com. You can also help build the show by subscribing, leaving a review, and most importantly, leaving us a rating on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram by searching at rareformradio. Thanks for supporting independent entertainment. But I think, you know, can I just take some credit here for greasing the wheels by telling them that I want to be a stand-up comic like Mm -hmm. 15 years ago? How did that go? And they're like, what? (laughs) Literally, that's that was the conversation. I'm going to be a comedian. What? So at that that point. That was it. (laughs) That was the extent of it. Were there any successful Korean comedians besides like. Yeah, Margaret Cho. Oh, Margaret Cho, Cho. of course, of course. Yeah, Margaret Cho was the first one. She, like, was big in the 90s. Yeah, of course she was. That's right. Yeah, so my parents definitely knew about Margaret Cho. My parents have never heard of Bobby Lee, believe me. Oh, I fucking (laughs) love him so much. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a really good dude. I don't know him personally, but I his his podcast and his whole thing, I've loved him forever. And he has my favorite joke of all time, of all time. He made a joke that uh, which is what that Koreans look like retarded Mexicans, which is just the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's just it's such a, a, a such a stupid observation, but now it's it's affected the way I see everybody now. Now you can't unsee it. Now can't. you're like mm, retarded Mexican. That's mm. great. Like um, this whole conversation, you've been like, wow, she's such a smart retarded Mexican. I, I feel like I'm doing like a like a make a wish foundation for a, a disabled uh, Mex- <laughs> Mexican girl. So you're welcome, little girl. Oh. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So when you when you tell your parents, I will say Bobby Lee. The interesting. Can I just can I just like interject and say mm-hmm. like this one amazing thing about Bobby Lee? So. The great thing about Bobby Lee is he is that wacky in person. He is good. Like he is bonk, like he's straight up crazy and wacky and is like constantly naked for no reason. And everybody's seen his dick. 
why. Love it. You're like, why? Just because. Um, hold on, my phone's still on. Yeah, do it. Um, and then, but that being said, he's so wacky, but he, if you get into a conversation with him that's real, like he can go so deep. Mm-hmm. And he has given me such good advice in the past, like career advice of like, I remember one time, like we had this whole co- conversation about like, he's like, you just have to be really supportive of every other comedian around you and like, just be giving and loving and like, not be jealous. You know, there's so much jealousy in stand-up comedy. You can't help it. Oh, because, in entertainment, like, you know, in yeah, all entertainment. Because yeah. like, you're coming up, you're, you're grinding, you're grinding, you're grinding with all these people. Then suddenly like one person, like I came up with Amy Schumer, mm-hmm. Amy okay. Schumer and I did open mics together. Holy shit. We, we, I literally remember like Amy Schumer and I being in the basement of the Gotham Comedy Club in New York being like, how do we get more stage time? Oh my God. Because we couldn't get stage time because we were like 12. Right, years right, old. right. We right. just started stand up. Like we didn't know anything. And like, and now she's a Amy Schumer, you know? I mean, an arena selling, you know, comedian. Completely. And mm-hmm. there's so much of that. Like people that you were grinding out with doing open mics with are suddenly like selling out arenas. And like, it, and there's no rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is Amy Schumer the most. Um, talented comedian I know. No, I know like 20 other comedians that are like just as talented and mm-hmm. why aren't they famous and rich? You know, like there's just no rhyme or reason to it. So like that can make, that kind of stuff can make you crazy. And I remember talking to Bobby Lee and he was just like giving me this very Zen advice about just being happy for people and not holding any jealousy and just really like giving up yourself and how, like he was telling me the story of how like um, the people who do Borat oh why am I blanking on his name uh Sasha Baron Cohen yeah so Mm -hmm. Sasha Baron Cohen and he knew each other and like Sasha Baron Cohen called him up one day and was like hey I don't have a role for you in this thing but I really need a funny person to do this table read I know it's probably beneath you but would you be willing and he's like yeah man absolutely and so he went and did a free table read for what you know a completely different project for Sasha Baron Cohen and like crushed it you know gave 100% to just this random table read but because he crushed it that's when they wrote um wrote him in as Kim Jong-un in the oh yeah uh, uh the not is the it the dictator the dictator, the dictator yeah, movie yeah, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that's how his relationship with Sasha Baron like he just was doing a kindness you know, like a favor for this guy. And that turned into like a role for him on a big movie. I love so, that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, like, so he's, Bobby can be really deep mm-hmm. and really generous of spirit. Yep. That, he reminds me like, I know uh, I, I've, I've worked with and been friends with and done radio with, with Dave Navarro since 2008. And I know Dave and Bobby know each other. Mm. And when I watch Bobby, <clears throat> whoa, excuse me. When I watch Bobby on his podcast or in interviews, your balls just dropped. They your just did just now. Forty-one. Yeah. I'm finally hello, a man. I read hello. that. He's and, a man uh, now. I did it. You got to see it. You got to see it in person. <laughs> your um, balls dropped over the Zoom. Amazing. That's going to be the headline <laughs> of this podcast: Dan's balls drop. Um, but like Dave and Bobby are seem so similar to me. They're both successful. They're both respected in their fields, and they both don't have like jealousy towards others or if they do you can be jealous but still supportive and happy for your peers which is uh it feels so much better i mean when i first i moved here in 99 
to play in rock bands and try to like make it as, you know, become my own rock star and had that whole dream and coming up and I was in a couple bands and all my friends were in bands and so many of them would get like bummed out if their peers who are their friends had some good news. And I was always like, good for them. Like good news for them, by the way, is good news for us. And even if it's not, these are people that you're supposed to care about. Like, let's champion around these people and put all the good stuff out there because people deserve it. Yeah. It's so much easier said than done though. Right. Because in this business, there is so much, um, there is so much, I want to say unfairness, especially now we're seeing like, you know, like a YouTube star will get a a stand-up comedy gig that one of us has been working so, you know, we, we've been working so hard and grinding it out and stand up and doing open mics for years and stuff. And then like suddenly like some kid on YouTube who's like 16 and has like 2.9 million followers will get a stand up gig that should have gone to one of us. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff makes it, makes us crazy. That makes sense. You know, um, that happens in music too. It happens. I mean, there's, there's, there's podcasts to listen to or that I've listened to where I'm like, why do people love this? I really don't get it. Good for these people, but I really don't understand right. why people give a shit about this person or this band or or this comedian. Like there's off air, there's someone I want to ask you about a comedian that I just don't understand how this person has a career <laughs> and I want you to dish it to me. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fascinating. I just, I feel like we have to, we have to be rooting for each other. Otherwise, yeah. what's the yeah. point? It's so true. It's well, so true. Yeah. So who, who have been the comedians for you that have like um, really supported you throughout your career so far and actors, actually, whoever like who's who's nurtured you through through all, all of your things? Oh, God. So many people have been so kind. Like Arsenio Hall is someone who's always just been so nice to me. He was the his his show Arsenio came back for like a second Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was big. Of course, in the I watched, 90s. I watched yeah. it. I, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, when we were little, he was big. He had that big show. And then it went away and um, they tried to revive it. And I think it lasted like two or three seasons, the revival. Mm-hmm. Um, so the revival was actually, I that was my first late night um, talk show appearance as a comic. And um, I was so nervous. I was pacing backstage. I was I thought I was going to throw up. I had never done a TV appearance before. You know, one of those classic, like, short, you know, the ones that you see on, like, um, The Tonight Show or, like, Jimmy Fallon or something. You can find it. You can find, if you're listening, you can find Helen's performance on Arsenio on YouTube. So I was so nervous. And, um, you know, what normally happens is there's a hype hype guy, you know, Mm -hmm. like an audience. God, why am I blanking on on what that title is? It's the Uh, person who just... There's a name for it, and I can't think of audience it either. Audience warm up. There you go. That's there what it go. is. Audience yeah. warm up. The audience warm up is the hype man, and like during the commercial breaks, he goes out and he keeps the audience warmed up, and he tells jokes, and he's like, "All right, are you ready? When we come back from commercial, Arsenio's coming back. Are you ready? Yeah, like that guy." So, so basically, like, it was just. I was just going to be a standalone segment and the audience guy could have just gone out and been like, all right, we have a comedian coming up next. You guys give her a lot of love. Yeah. No, Arsenio Hall himself went out to the crowd right before I went on 
and told this amazing story. He's like, I remember being a completely young, unknown green comedian and going on this Tonight Show and how nervous I was um, to perform on the Tonight Show. And I was like, my stomach was in knots. I, I, and I know how important it can be and so pivotal it can be for a young comedian. This next girl, she's never done a late night show before, but she's fantastic. She's so talented. I think she's so funny. So y'all better give her a lot of love, just like, you know, that audience gave me love when I did the Tonight Show. And I was like almost crying backstage because like I didn't know him personally, you know, like I had just been booked by the talent booker on his show, sure. but he was so kind to me and I will never forget that. And they did, they gave it up for me because he told them to. That's great. You know, like it was a primarily black audience. They could have mm -hmm. just, they could have been like, who is this bitch? Right. You know? And so many hosts, they don't really give, like I, uh, maybe they do, but I feel like they don't have to give a shit about every guest that comes yeah. out. And they There's don't. Those, right. I know right. for a fact they don't. Right. But for, for him to do that, it was so above and beyond. It's so not necessary <laughs> for him to do. It was so warm. And like to this day, you know, I see him all the time. Well, I did see him all the time before. And he just, he always will say something kind about me if he, if he, if I'm like following him, if, if, if I'm on a show and he's on right after me, he'll just say, yo, she was amazing. She did my show. She's a fantastic person. Like he's like, you know, we have a good Twitter rapport. So he's someone that I always is like, oh, he's such a kind, great person. I love that. Um, David Allen Greer. Do you know who he is? I, come on, dude. Of course I do. I mean, I, like these days, I don't know who anybody knows. Like, do, like, don't you feel uh, like we live in a weird world where like nobody knows, like the famous, <laughs> fame is strange now. Yeah. But you and I, you and I are in the age range of like, we grew up with like actual TV people, actual yeah. movie stars, actual rock stars. So yeah. I know, I know all the people that were on Mad TV, SNL, the Cosby show, you know, uh, yeah, I like I, nobody I, I knows those people anymore. Like, um, Kim Kardashian just, uh, I hate to say it, Kim Kardashian went on that David Letterman show that's on Netflix right now. Uh -huh. Yep. And she, and it, she actually did a great interview, but she said she was telling her sisters, Kylie and Kendall, oh, I'm doing Letterman. And they literally went, who is that? Like, what is Come that? Come the fuck on. I swear to God, they had no idea. They had no, they had never heard of Letterman. How can you not like, they accidentally didn't know, know who Letterman is? No, there's people, I would say people even under the age of 30 who don't really know what like the Tonight Show is. Like they're not into the Tonight Show. Like it's all kind of like all the late night shows are kind of hazy for them. Like Fallon's just a funny guy that they see clips of. Like Kimmel, they see clips of online. But like- I guess that's That true. whole world of late night show, like nobody watches that stuff anymore. The intake, the intake is totally different than it used to be. Like now you yeah. will, <clears throat> everything is segmented out on YouTube. So you'll find like one segment or one interview yeah. or one sketch- but they don't understand like even still today they do it the same way. But like the, 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 what makes those shows great is starting from the monologue and going all the way to the musical guest or the comedian and the ride you go on. Um, I, I, I've been a night owl my whole life. So I watched Leno and I remember Conan's first ever show. I was like, Conan, this guy's going to be my favorite ever. <laughs> um, I, I watched all of them. I loved them. Yep. Yeah. And, and I've even found myself like, my my um attention span has changed 
Like Mine I can't too. watch that stuff anymore. It, it it even moves too slow for me. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is dragging. Like I wish I could just pick and choose like the clips that I want to watch. Like I, it's affected my brain. Like I can't sit through that stuff anymore. And now I find myself even being like, ugh, I'll just I'll just click click on the clip. I know. Like, I, I, I hate to say I'm guilty <laughs> of it too, because I used to yeah. like literally like I, I would sit down and I'm committed this whole hour, commercials and all. I'll probably watch the whole thing. And now it's like if if uh, if the monologue's dragging a little bit, I'm like, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I guess Seriously. I won't see Larry David tonight. Fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a crazy. Anyway, going crazy back thing. to David Allen Greer. Yes. David yeah. Allen Greer is like the reason that I got my agent, my first agent in L.A. Because I opened for him um, years ago in New Jersey. He was playing this big club in New Jersey called the Stress Factory, which is like, why would you name a comedy club Stress Factory? I don't know, but it's a great club. Mm -hmm. Um, So I opened for him randomly. Uh, He did not hit on me, which is which is like a plus already a plus (laughs) already already a plus he was so such a gentleman and like a lot of people know him as an actor he is a fucking fire stand-up comic Mm -hmm. like so funny sharp funny like hysterical like such a great performer crushed it all weekend and um and we just had really cool conversations in the green room and it was really neat. And his wife at the time was Korean. And so we were like bonded about kimchi and like, what is she now? Kimchi. If she was Korean then, what is she now? She's now his ex. I see. I see. <laughs> no, I she switched. She's, she's trans ethnic. Oh, fucking she's cool. Now, she's That's now Jamaican. Yep. <laughs> she identifies as Jamaican. Which she is got great. a very dark, she got a very dark tan. Perfect, she's now perfect. Jamaican. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, then years after that, I moved to LA and he, t- and I reached out to him and he told my agency, like, you need to sign this girl. She's great. My God. Isn't that amazing? Are, are you with it's that like, agency still? Yes, I am yeah, with amazing. that agency as a big agency. One of the top five agents, uh, agencies in uh, LA. And like, you know, it's it like for someone like him, like he's a beast and he's a veteran for, to vouch for me. Yep. When I was a nobody, when I moved to LA, I, I was nobody. Like I had done nothing. I had done commercials. I had never acted in anything legit. And, um, it was like such a big deal. And like, it just means so much. And like, you know, that saying when you get to the top, like send the ladder back down or send yes. the elevator back down. That is so important, you know, to do that. Like if you've made it, like help, help someone, like nobody makes it without people helping them. That's the thing is that so many people lose sight of that, that like you you don't succeed without someone being in your corner or someone giving you a break or saying something nice to somebody else about you. Absolutely. 100%. And often it's never the person you think it's going to be. Oh, that's true. Which is another example of like, be kind to everybody because you you never know who you're talking to or what it might lead to. Um, That's absolutely right. You've had some, I mean, you just said you got here and you were nobody, you'd done nothing. You've done some cool things. Like my wife and I were just watching that show, uh, The Unicorn, uh, a few weeks yeah. ago on Netflix with uh, Walton Goggins. And it's a really, it's a funny, um, funny drama um, show, but you have a great role in that. Thank <laughs> I you. Love, love that character. Like Thank you're just you. I'm so, so fixated. Thirsty. Yeah, I'm it's great. I'm so thirsty for Walton You do it Goggins. well. I think you're playing off something real. It feels <laughs> like By the way, I am thirsty for Walton Goggins in real life. Like he has the best ass. Oh, does he? 
Yes, he wears these really tight jeans. And I mean, like, they are not the not the leg part, but the ass part looks spray painted on. And he is a nice, nice ass. Did you let him know? I, I you know, I didn't want to weird him out. Mm-hmm. I didn't okay. want to weird him out that, okay. you know, because I'm already playing this like very thirsty character for him. And like, you know, there, there's like one episode where I had to like, I'm like, okay, do you mind, Walton, if I like put my hair through my hands through your hair? And he's like, no, go for it. Like, so I'm already, I already know, feel like but, I'm pushing. But what he didn't know is that you meant his pubic hair. <laughs> and I meant not when the cameras are rolling. Exactly. Like I mean, you went back at your house your, later that can night. Can I come to your trailer and rub my hands through your pubes? Well, you, you you also had a great role, and this is like this is this is one of the most fun things I've had watching television. I didn't know you were on this show until we were watching and saw you on Silicon Valley, which was such a surprise. Yes. I didn't expect that, and you were like, "Oh my god, what a cool that, show to be a part of!" And a cast that like show is amazing. Cast. Okay, first of all, Mike Judge is a legit genius. No shit. He is a legit genius. He created Silicon Valley. He created Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill, and wrote and directed Idiocracy, which, hello, we're fucking living it. Like, the man made that movie in, was it the 90s or the early 2000s he made that movie? And the thing is, like, it's so freaking accurate. It we almost, are living in idiocracy. It, it was it's like, scary. It was like a documentary for the last four years. Yes. It's, you like, know? frightening. Yeah, it's And he wild. did it as satire, like, 20 years ago, and he was like, ha-ha, wouldn't it be funny? And it's like, no, this is, like, scary. No, that guy's our president. But the guy is, the guy is a legit genius and also a snack. Mm. Oh my God, he's so hot. Mm. I think I think my wife said the same thing. I think she was like, she didn't know who he was. I was watching some interview on YouTube of Mike Judge because I also like Mike Judge a lot. And she's like, who is that? I'm like, is a this is the, listen to the voice. You can't tell? She goes, no. I'm like, this is the guy that created Beavis and Butthead and he's King of the Hank, Hill. He's Hank Hill. Yeah. Oh that's, yeah. You know what? The That's the weirdest thing when I first met him is he is Hank Hill. <laughs> like he, he voices Hank Hill and he sounds like Hank Hill. Right. So that's his most and natural so voice. I'm just talking. That's the, his most natural voice. And so I'm just talking to him and Hank Hill's voice is coming back at me. And I'm like, Damn it, I don't Helen. think I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's I don't cool... think I can have this conversation. It's so weird. So were but he's you... a legit genius. And everybody who works on that show is fucking a game. Like I mean... they're a like a level talent. I mean, every single actor is like, it in improv genius and just is such a great actor. And Martin Starr's character on that show is one of my favorites. So That's his name. Funny. I love it. <laughs> and so I was super nervous to do that show because I'm like, I better bring my A game because I do not want to like if I stink here, I am stinking up like some real primo stuff, you yeah. know. Are you, are you happy like, with what you brought? Are you happy with your I am. I mean, all, always you can be happy. Obviously, like I watch it, I'm like, oh, I could have done that. I could have done that. I couldn't have done that. But uh, my judge told me I'm a great actress. How about that? <laughs> That's pretty good. You That's pretty goddamn it? good. So let me ask you this. We're talking about Mike Judge. Yeah. We love Mike Judge. What was more exciting for you, working for Mike Judge or with the goddamn Coen brothers? I mean, obviously the Coen brothers, because I was so much younger then. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Coen brothers was like, I, yeah, I shot that in 2012. Helen was Uh, in the, um, she was in the Inside Lewin Davis. 
for people yeah. that are listening. Yes. That was my first, it was literally like my first legit thing that I've ever done. And it just was working for the Coen brothers. <laughs> like that's so crazy. Like that's not how it's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to have like never shot a movie before or a TV show ever. And suddenly the first thing you're shooting is a Coen brothers movie. Like that's not the way it's supposed to happen. No, that's I like literally had to Spielberg, call my friend Scorsese. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Like you're supposed to work for a bunch of shitty things first yep. and get your, get the hang of it and then work your way up to someone like the Coen brothers. But right. Coen brothers was like my first movie. And, um, the reason why I booked it, this is a really cool story. So the way that auditions work is like you do this initial audition. I go to this audition and it, the, the, the role, credit to the Coen brothers, the role was written for an Asian woman. Perfect. Um, which the movie was set in the 60s. Like they did not have to, like they did not have to A, make her an Asian woman or B, make her an Asian woman without an accent, mm -hmm. which they specifically told me because in the 60s, you know, any Asian person in New York probably would have had an accent. Right. Um, but they're like, no, she's an academic. She's lived here her whole life. Like, let's just make her American. And I was like, fantastic. So, um, but, uh, but I go to the initial audition. It's every Asian actress in the New York City area. <laughs> Like in the in like the tri-state area, so there's like a hundred Asian bitches that all look like me that are sitting in the waiting room, and your initial audition is always like some twenty-two-year-old intern with a camera is like reading the lines back to you like really flat, like yes, and then would you like me to pour you some coffee? So just vibeless, no vibe yeah, whatsoever. Completely okay. vibeless, and you have to act with that like acting opposite like a cardboard box basically mm -hmm. and she's running the camera at the same time and it's just you and her and she has no idea what she's doing um but usually so what happens is they they pull talent off of that tape right so they that's the first round they watch the tape they're like okay these are the next 10 people that we like out of that group right mm -hmm. and that's usually what happens is that's when you meet the casting director you meet the casting director at, for the callback. Okay. And then if you get past that point, then you meet the director and the producers of the movie, right? right. That's usually what happens. And that's what I thought was going to happen. So I get a callback. I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet the, the casting director. That's great. Um, no, I walk in. The casting director's there. She's leading me to the back room. We're turning a corner and she goes, this is Joel and this is Ethan. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Oh, hi. Hi. Why are you guys here? Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. Hello. I was not expecting this. Whoa. Yeah. But thank God I I took those, like that initial shock and nerves. And I just, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're nervous and you get that good energy and you can like use it in your favor. Yeah. That's what happened. Yep. Like I was like, I was like, it was, it, it like translated to adrenaline. So I was like super peppy and I was like kind of talking really fast and I was being kind of funny and they were like laughing at things I was saying because I was like just nervous energy. And I swear, I think that's, that's what booked the role for me is I was just this kind of quirky, weird, like it seemed like I was fearless because I was just like talking, like wow. talking like shit, shooting the shit. But really I was super nervous. This. So and thank God it just the nerves just hit me the right way. When you get a role in a Coen Brothers movie, who is your first phone call? Who do you tell first? I no, I don't remember, but I do remember because I was so green and I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I have a friend. Um, her name is Diane Neal. She was uh, a Law and Order. She was on Law and Order for years. She, if you're an OG Law and Order fan, she was the redheaded 
assistant DA or her role name was Casey Novak. Oh, that sounds familiar. So, okay. Yeah. She was on it for years. Like if you're an old OG Law & Order fan, you know her. Okay. She was the one with the red hair. Um, so she and I are friends. I called her and I was like, holy shit, I just booked a Coen Brothers movie. Please teach me how to act in the next week. <laughs> I have one week to learn how to be a great actress. I literally called her in a, like crying and I was like, I have one week to figure out how to act. That's amazing. <laughs> I went to her house and she's teaching me like a basic blocking, like, okay, then you stand here. <laughs> Wait, had, had you never taken And if the camera's over class? there, you stand this way. No, because I was a comic. Oh my God. That's, That's incredible. how I got into acting. I got, I was a comic. So why did so you like, even go in for this? Like what made you like, how did you, like what made you decide to like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go try to be in this Coen Brothers movie as an actress. <laughs> because who the fuck doesn't want to be in a Coen Brothers movie? Like, you know, yeah. we're all trying to, you know, like, if you're a stand-up, your ultimate goal is to be Seinfeld. I guess like, that's true. Right? Like, right. your ultimate goal if you're a stand-up comic is to have your own show. Right. That's, right. Uh, like, all the greats. Ray Romano, Seinfeld, Roseanne. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. this is the path everyone takes. Like, you, you like, rise the ranks to, like, the pinnacle of stand-up comedy, and then somebody gives you your own TV show. Like, that's mm -hmm. the goal. That's the trajectory. <laughs> and the better actor you are when you get there. Like, Seinfeld was a terrible actor. Right. But that was part of what was funny and charming about it is that he was a terrible actor and then he surrounded himself with brilliant actors. That's what smart you know, people do. Yeah, you know, if yeah. you're not great, hire the best crew that you can, hire the best other yeah. actors, people that will lift you up. You know, I, yeah, I, I mean that <clears throat> I have a lot of friends who work like in production. Like yeah, Costanza yeah. and and you know, Kramer Julia and, Louis yeah. Dreyfus. Like they were yeah. brilliant actors and that's what made him look great. Sure. Even all the peripheral characters, all the, the soup Nazis and the name and Newman, the neighbor and everybody. It's, it's smart. Yeah. So funny. So, uh, yeah, so how much, how, how long were you on set for, for the Coen brothers movie? I was only on set for two days. Mm -hmm. Um, and the scariest thing for me generally and specifically on that role, because I had never done anything before, they don't give you direction. Oh shit. Yeah, the Coen brothers, and I've heard this from other actors who have worked on other projects with them, they cast you and then they trust you to do your own thing. Is that good or bad? Like it's, in your For opinion, me, it was horrible. For okay. me, it was horrible because I'm a stand-up comic and I need immediate gratification that moment. Like I'm a stand-up comic. I know when a joke is working and I know when a joke is not working that second. That's Because I'm either getting me. laughs or I'm not. Right. That, that surprised so, me so like, much because I like, need constant, I need constant feedback. Right. And so I remember even going up to them at one point being like, Hey, um, I can do, I can tweak it however you want. I can go faster or slower or bring it up or bring it down or like be a little bit more subtle, like whatever you want. And they're like, no, it's good. It's great. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's, oh it's fucking crazy to me because the like, their, their writing is so specific that you would think they have every moment of their films like already planned out and they know what they want. No, no. The only, I was in a scene with five other actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Five other actors. And the only person that I saw them give direction to was the lead Oscar Isaac. Okay. 
That's okay. the only person that I re- I remember seeing them coming up to and like kind of whispering in between takes like, hey, why don't you try it? Blah, 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 or think about it. Like that's the only actor. And like there were four other, five other, you know, four other actors that didn't get anything, myself included. And the other terrifying thing is like every other actor in that scene was a veteran actor. <laughs> like an amazing, like probably the acting experience in that room was like a hundred years of acting and then Jesus. I contributed one day. Yeah, hey, it's my first day, everybody. <laughs> it's like a hundred days. And <laughs> my, first, my first day. And I don't know what the fuck I was doing. But the smart thing that I did or the the thing that I thought, you know, was the smart thing to do, which I think ultimately was, was I was like, they're not getting me direction. Hey, they cast me off of this performance. I'm going to do exactly what I did in my casting. Mm-hmm. That's and smart, that's, you know, yep. and Don't people strike. are like, yeah, that's what you should have. Yeah. Like they cast you doing this thing. I'm going to do that. Exactly. What There's I a reason why they liked you just kind of exactly. do that again. Cool. Exactly. So, so and again, and, and now I watch that, I watch those scenes and I'm like, Oh God, I'm horrible. But you, you may think so, but you probably aren't as bad as you thought you were. Plus you can take that and learn and go forward. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you've, you've written it into, a pretty goddamn commendable acting career so far. Thank you. And you have a lot of years left to keep it going, which is yes. exciting. Um, I want to wrap up in a second just for this. We have a lot to, we have a whole month to go over stuff, but I wanted to quickly talk about you getting into podcasting and you have a few podcasts and uh, the newest one is Jobsolete, which yeah, I really, I listened to uh, two of them. I listened to uh, the town crier episode and the, uh, isn't that cool? The switchboard operator episode. So yeah, give a quick uh, uh, rundown of what that show is because it's it's pretty fascinating. It's really cool. So it's called Job Salute. It's put out by iHeartMedia. Um, so you can find it on all the platforms everywhere. It's brand new. We've only dropped four episodes so far, um, and it's about old timey jobs from the past. And at first, when I heard about the concepts, because it was like just before. Uh, the lockdown happened and then people started losing their jobs and there were mass layoffs and stuff. And I was like, I don't know if this is in poor taste considering the time that we're doing it when a lot of people are losing their jobs. But then actually over the process of recording the show, I'm like, this is actually very hopeful because this shows me jobs have come and gone all throughout history. Jobs have become extinct all throughout history and people bounce back. You know, like there, this job that you think is so stable is, is might be gone in 10 years and like people bounce back and it's, you know, there may be like a tough adjustment at the time, but eventually like other jobs appear and people do other things and you can adapt and you can, you know, switch up and like move on. And so to me, in that sense, it was really hopeful and it is so interesting. So I and paired, I'm the co-host with a guy named Matt Beat, who is actually like a very popular YouTube historian. Mm-hmm. He has a channel called Mr. Beat. He is a actual literal social studies teacher. <laughs> no shit. And he okay. started this. Yeah. Yeah. He's a real social, a high school social studies teacher. And he started this channel on YouTube actually to help his students like, like retain more information because they were like so bored in class or whatnot. And he started making <laughs> these really cool history videos. Um, so he's a, he's an American history buff 
okay. uh, especially like American presidents and, and American government. So he does have that expertise. And then I'm just like, you know, there's one of the the like um, promo video, promo um, audio clips that we did where he's like, hi, I'm Mr. Beat. I'm Matt Beat, and I'm known on the internet as Mr. Beat, and I'm a, I'm a history teacher. And I'm like, and I'm Helen Hong, and I've watched Braveheart twice. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's like the our da- our dynamic is like we have a legit historian and then we have me. <laughs> it's fun because and I'm like, just gonna what, say go ahead. dinky shit. It sounds it, what I like I'm about it. I'm just gonna it, say dinky shit like while I learn. It sounds like when I'm listening to it that you're almost like an audience member where you're kind of it sounds like you're learning about yeah. it a bit as we are. And I noticed you asked the same questions that I feel like all of us listening are thinking. So it was really, really interesting. And it covers jobs where, like we've all heard the term town crier before, but I never, ever stopped to think about, well, what is that? Yeah. You know, I, I, I never knew. And it explains it in depth. And, you know, what, what, a, what an old school phone switchboard operator does and how... <laughs> When you guys play, yeah, like we've all seen that scene in the movie with the switchboard operator, a number, please, and then yep. this lady's like plugging another one. But did you know that there was a height requirement and a weight requirement? Like I'm like, what? Yeah. Like there's so many interesting things about these job, these old jobs that like we might have seen in a movie, we've kind of heard about it somewhere, but really fascinating like there was a height requirement and if you think about it it makes sense you had to be able to reach the top plugs in the very top so mm-hmm. I, I would never get that job because i'm five feet tall <laughs> <laughs> right right no it's it's interesting it's a really good premise for a show and uh i, I enjoyed it a lot and um yeah just cool things it's just I, you really are learning something when you listen and it's uh it's fun thank you it's fun yeah like it's really yeah it's been so much fun for me and really interesting and really really fascinating like even if you're not like a huge history buff like we're doing a show on um we're about to record a show on uh sea shanties because it's what a trend that? now on tiktok it's a it's a i guess it's a big trend now on tiktok of like these old school boat um, captains would like sing these songs oh, to keep yeah, yeah. the men rowing and da, right, da, da, right. and they do a chant and everybody chants and bring me more whiskey like right. like as a way to keep for the guys to keep time while they were rowing or like while they were doing like you know jobs on the on the boat and so now that's like for some reason trending on tiktok the songs are trending on tiktok and so we're like hey this is a trend and it's an it's a job obsolete let's do it so we're recording that episode this weekend oh i love it and we'll yeah and we'll drop it as soon as we can and we did one on a blockbuster video video store clerk oh my god super fun (laughs) oh my god right see that's crazy because that's an obsolete job that very recently wasn't (laughs) it's exactly like that went out in our lifetime yeah and just and reminiscing about like what it meant to go to the blockbuster on a Friday night when you oh, were in high school. Remember best. those days? Oh, right? I, we in 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 the town we grew up in, we had uh video signals and that was my place to go. And uh it was just like, you know, the best was the absolute best to me was when you know that a blizzard is coming and you plan to go sleep at a friend's house and his mom drives you to the video store, you know you're gonna have two or three days and just get six to seven horror movies or whatever you're into it was the best it was the best yep never again never again yeah and never again i mean 
There is one blockbuster. So we talked to the very last blockbuster clerk. It's there's one blockbuster open in Oregon still. Yeah. yeah and, pe- and people go. It's either Oregon or Washington state and people go and it's like, it's part museum, but it's still a functioning oh, that's video cool. store. Okay. And, um, and so it was like super cool to talk, but yeah, that's, that's a job like that one. And the MTV VJ, I think are the two jobs that we've done so far that were like happened in our lifetime. Wow. But yeah, the, but the, like, like I said, the, the, the guy that hosted before this last month was my friend, Steve Isaacs. And he was a VJ for two years on MTV and that was yeah. part of his joke is like explaining basically what MTV was to people that are listening, yeah. you know, <laughs> VJ, when yeah. you were kids, that was like, was there a cooler job in the world than a VJ? No, that was the best. <laughs> I mean, no. So like, you know, I feel like, I hope it does give people hope because it is rough times and a lot of people are losing their jobs, but like, you know, we all, we adapt and, and the world is changing so fast that we have to be adaptable. Yep. So beautiful. Yeah. Speaking of adapting, you, uh, you, I, we mentioned this earlier, but you did a really beautiful, like five minute video speaking to your father, um, kind of like reflecting on the year that we've had as human beings, basically worldwide. And, um, um, describe that video a little bit because it was really, where did that idea come from? What was it for? And what was the, what's the reaction been? Yeah. So if you, you might've seen this video, it was making the rounds of Facebook, um, right before the new year. It it was on now this, the platform now this, which is a big like video, you know, news company. So they drop videos on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and uh, you know, all the socials. I think they're biggest on Facebook, I think. Um, and I've done some, and I have a relationship with now this, I've done some commentary videos with them. Uh, I did a video a couple of years ago about the word bitch, how we need to reclaim the word bitch that went viral that a lot of people watched, which I still love. Um, but I'm casually talking like completely just casually talking to my dad, like just before Christmas. And he's like, Oh, have you seen this time magazine cover? And I'm like, no. And he's like, Oh, it's, it's, um, the year 2020 with a big red X through it. And it says the worst year ever. And I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. Well, dad, you're almost 80. Um, you've lived a long time. Do you think 2020 was the worst year year ever? And he like literally super low key casual goes, well, you know, I'd say, you know, when I was in the Korean War and I was freezing and starving and my brother died from cold and we couldn't get enough to eat. Yeah, I'd say that was the worst year. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, holy shit. And he just drops this super low-key casual. But I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, that, it's it puts everything in perspective for me because here I am bitching about being cooped up in my house When people are, you know, literally, and even today, you know, ask a kid in Afghanistan or Iraq or, you know, some impoverished country, like, was 2020 the worst year ever? No, you know, 2018 was pretty bad, too. (laughs) 2019 was pretty bad, too. So, like, it's just perspective, right? So. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, I really need to get this message out there. Like, that's such a crazy thing that my dad dropped. And like, at first I was like, maybe I should write an article and send it to BuzzFeed or something. But then I thought, oh no, I have this relationship with now this, I'll pitch it to them as a story. So I did, I pitched it and they were like, well, we we can't make any promises because it's Christmas and everybody's off now. So it's going to have to be a really compelling video. So I just just did a Zoom interview one-on-one with my dad. And he literally was like, yeah, I had a baby brother who died while we were fleeing the Korean war 
And my parent, my mom couldn't bury him because the ground was frozen and we didn't have a shovel. And so she, he found, she found a hole in the ground and put my baby brother's body and just covered it with rocks and we had to keep fleeing. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, it was so crazy. That's, that's your uncle. That's my uncle. I had a, I had an uncle who died when he was two in the Korean in, War. In this video. That I'd never heard of. Right. And that, 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 that was the craziest part to me is that, you know, however old you are, you've known your dad your whole life and you didn't know that. I that had happened. no idea. And had you not I asked, no idea. maybe you never would have found out. Yeah. And that was actually one of the great comments. Like somebody commented on in my Instagram page um, was like, uh, you know, it's so crazy how many things that they, our parents never tell about, uh, tell us about until we ask, yep. you know, they had this whole 100%. life. And, yep. and, and unless we go digging around and asking, it's like, we'll just never know about that, you know? Yep. And um, yeah, and he just dropped that on me. And I was like, I was kind of like, what? And he, that was one of the, a lot of the negative comments that I got on Facebook and YouTube was like, she's, she's so cold or like her reaction is so shitty. What? That her, her dad just said his brother died and she's like, what? And she's fake gasping and stuff. And I'm like, I mean, I can see how it came across because I really was like, wait, are you, wait, are you shitting me right well, now? Yeah, like, I, mean, I really, uh, I really couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, because he dropped it so casual. I was like, wait, what? what right, of course. Say? I think your reaction is the same one I would have. It's like, well, how, how did I not know this before? And like, yeah. what are you supposed to burst into, into tears immediately yeah, over someone like, you've never yeah, heard about? People, people were like, you, she should have cried. She didn't even cry. I'm like, first of all, you don't know me. I never fucking cry. Right, right. <laughs> I don't have emotions, so <laughs> right, right. So yeah. suck that. Comedian, there you go. Of course. <laughs> but also, like, I was genuinely so like, what? Wait. I imagine you? you're in a. It's a small form of being in shock too. I would think, like, you're just yeah. The, probably the last thing you expected to hear was that your dad had a little brother that died. I mean, it's crazy, crazy. So crazy, and it but was it so really awkward because it was like it was over Zoom and everything. You know, it's all. Awkward and stuff, but um, but they did a really great job editing it together. And yeah, I mean, I hope that it gives people perspective. Like, and 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 also, I I asked them to make sure at the end of the video to be like, no, we understand there are people starving and like homeless in the streets right now. So like, if you can, please donate to this food, you know, the food, yep. food bank of org, um, because it's. You know, it is, it is really like, for some people, it really is the worst year ever. Oh, absolutely. Really was the worst year ever. Yeah, I mean, like the, they became homeless. Of course, of course. But it, it, the, a lot of your video, of that video, it really kind of t- reminds you about empathy and just, um, that's why I haven't really tried, I tried not to complain this entire year because I have somewhere to live. I eat food every day. I have a wife I live with who I love and I, I can hug her every day. And um, a lot of people don't have, any of those things, never mind, you know, one or two of those. So you got to have You started walking, you lost your man boobs. I mean, come on. It is be gone. They're, they're gone. You know, I got these beautiful, <laughs> these beautiful legs now. You know, everything's good. <laughs> everything's and you were going to say these beautiful flat nipples. <laughs> no, no, no. My like nipples. It's just nipple. It's Listen, just nipple and there's nothing under it. No, no, no. The, the, the breast part went away, but I still have like three inch nipples that stick out. What? Uh, really? oh, you have gigantic nips? Super sharp. Like, uh, oh race. God, I'm going to throw up. I don't really have that. Can I, I tell really. you? <laughs> okay, really. good. Cause that's, yeah. I, I, for some reason, nipples 
unless they're on a human woman are so abhorrent to me. Like one of the reasons why I have a boy dog and not a girl dog oh, is because I can't stand dog nips. Ew. Ew. How like much? if you're rubbing, if you're like, go ahead. I, what do you mean? <laughs> so, so uh, uh, how much I'm going to, I want to end on this question and then we'll pick up more next week. How much would I have to pay you to put some dog nipple in your mouth and just kind of suck on it for 20 <laughs> seconds? Just like a. Uh, oh God! I can't even pet a female dog. Like I will be petting a perfectly great dog, and then she'll flip over on her back and be like, "Rub my belly," and I'm like, "Nah, bitch." Nope, you're going to the pound. We're putting you down. <laughs> Not touching them nips. Gross. The nips are gross. For some reason, n- dog nipples. But men, do men nipples yeah. freak you out? No, man nipples are okay unless there's titty there. Yeah, okay. moobs, moobs aren't cute. Nah. Well, I yeah, mean, if I we agree. can wear the same bra, forget Oof. it. Yeah, I don't if think you can even wear a training bra. Nah. Don't. Yeah, I don't think I ever made nah. it to like an A cup or anything, but I definitely had more than I was uh, happy with, and uh, it's been it's been a long road. Yeah, but I, I'm recovering. You know, I'm I'm recovering nicely, and uh, I'm grateful for where I'm at right now. <laughs> More work to be done, but, um, you know, it's a start. <laughs> you should show, if, if only there was a way that you could show off your beautiful legs on the podcast. Maybe I'll pop in a picture right know. here of these, uh, of these nice <laughs> yams for the, uh, for the rebroadcast. Um, your hot, hot ankles. Your beautiful, hot, beautiful hot legs. Um, <laughs> I want to thank you, by the way, for joining me. Um, I always, you know, if you have podcasts, you get like, nervous about asking people even though you might know them and you never know but i do want to thank you for for joining we're going to have a good month um i'm looking forward to getting to know you better because i i I love your sister so much and if i love her and she loves you i know i'm going to love you too so it's i'm looking forward to it um people can find you uh at funny helen hong i believe twitter and instagram correct yeah, because some other bitch has at Helen Hong, so don't follow her. <sighs> She's what horrible. A fucking bitch she is. <laughs> awful. Awful. So follow uh, at funny Helen Hong. Don't follow Helen at Hong. Helen Hong. She ain't funny. No, she ain't shit. And then your your podcasts, you got Jobsolete, you have Go Fact Yourself. And mm-hmm. Go and Fact Yourself. And uh what's the third one? Wait, wait, don't tell me. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And all of those Which are available. Which is not my podcast. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're everywhere. All, yeah. So Jobsolete is brand new. We only have four episodes out, but we are dropping one, a new one every week. And we're doing, it's super cool. We did like seltzer delivery person. Uh, we're going to do something called a knocker upper, which what is a knocker upper? You will have to. You'll have to tune in to find out. I'm intrigued. It's not what you think it is. Oh, I'm not intrigued anymore. <laughs> and um, Blockbuster Video. Yeah, we have great ones coming up. So jobs at Jobsolete uh, Pod on Twitter, and you can find it. Like, it's on all the pl- platforms. Go Fact to Yourself is Celebrity celebrity Trivia. And uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a really popular NPR one. I'm not on that one every week. I'm on like once a month, but mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. Cool. Well, Helen, thank you very much for coming. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks. You can find this show, of course, 
at Rareform Radio. Everywhere, please subscribe on iTunes and all the things. YouTube, likes and comments. You know the whole shit. But thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Send your questions to myself or Helen uh, on Instagram, and we will answer them next week. And remember that tomorrow's just the future's yesterday, and we're just, uh, we're just doing our best. Helen, thank you very much. Thank you. This is Lola, and I'm here to tell the world to stop being such pussies and listen to Rare Form Radio.